You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. <laughs> Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can get Locked On Hornets on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. And when you get in your car or you get home from work, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Hornets. I've been thinking about buying a fish, Doug, because as I talked to, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this week when we did the show Tuesday, I was doing a lot of moving, right? Coming across some things that I haven't seen in a long time. And I came across an old beta fish tank, not necessarily just beta though. It can house other things. And so then it reminded me, okay, well now I need to, one, I, I would like to get a fish, but also what kind of Hornet related fish name could we get? And then I immediately went to Kendall Gill and I just don't think that there's anything that's going to be better than what Kendall Gill is. Do you have any answers at the top of your head? Yeah, I would definitely name it Kendall Gills. Gills you know, with an S, you think? Yeah, plural? you got to throw the S on there. But that's big news if true, that you are thinking about <laughs> acquiring the rights to a beta fish. Though I hear the VHS fish uh, runs a lot better. See, I don't want a beta fish. I want something different. Beta fish, they're pretty, but they're not exactly all that exciting. You're going to be fish guy. You're going to be guy with a fish. Um, Let me tell you, I am already fish guy. One of the things, one of the number one things that I want is a saltwater aquarium badly. So you're going to be like weird fish guy that like uh-huh. is very particular about what is in the fish tank. Don't feed the fish. The feeder, the fish are on a very specific diet. Yeah. I'm going to be the weird fish guy and I'm going to have to have a whole bunch of different hornets names to it. But Kendall Gills and this, of course, we already are dealing who people who listen to the show like a Calamity Jane on Twitter. She has her cat named Boris Meow, if I'm not mistaken, which is just fantastic. Oh, that's very good. She has great. She's done that with both Panthers and Hornets, and she's fantastic at coming up with those names. Yeah, Boris Meow is just fantastic. I'm hoping, yeah, Kendall Gills. I like plural as well. We'll go Kendall Gills if I do get a fish, but that is in the works as I come across a whole bunch of stuff, come across a ton of stuff that I've moved here into the new apartment. And so I'm going to utilize some of the things. I'll think that, on it. I'll think of some I'll think of some names. Just give me give me a couple minutes. Give me a couple segments. I saw Jonathan DeLong put out something where he was at, he was doing a Q&A basically and a bunch of people were asking him questions and you were one of them and Doug you asked him is it Hornets? N-E-T-S, or is it Hornets? Well, I think it's an important N-I-T-S. question and one that 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 just begs to be answered here in July after free agency is over. Is it Horn? Do I, how do we say it? Do we say it as it's spelled exactly how it's spelled? Hornets, Hornets, or is it Hornets? I've always so said I, Hornets. I always went Hornets. So if I'm if I speak quickly, the Charlotte Hornets. And I feel like you hear N-I-T-S there, right? Charlotte Hornets, and that's what I've always done. Hornets or Hornets? <laughs> I want to know. Tell us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Yeah, let Hornets. us know. Any N-E-T-S or N-I-T-S? Hornets. How do you pronounce it? I think it, I think it says a lot about who you are. If you go out of your way to pronounce it Hornets, mm-hmm. then and you have to do the up inflection on the end Hornets. If you say the Charlotte Hornets, I, I'm immediately getting a read on you, and it's not a great read. 
We talked about the potential starters last show and Hornets sports spot uh, tweeted at us. What about Bacon, basically? Do we not think that Dwayne Bacon has a shot to start? And we should have mentioned his name. I did mention P.J. Washington as a guy that could be thrown in at the four mix, but you know, it's probably going to be a Dwayne Bacon. I, I would imagine if we were to guess the starting lineup right now, my guess would be Terry Rozier. I don't know who the two is going to be. It's Malik Monk or Nick Batum. I, I think they start Nick Batum. I think they probably start him. I'll go Terry Rozier, Nick Batum, Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, Cody Zeller. That would be the starting five that I would guess the Hornets would go with. Dwayne Bacon probably in there at number three. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Dwayne certainly showed enough last season, especially towards the latter half of last season, to – uh, to uh, basically justify his insertion into the starting lineup. I think he gives you what you want, two-way play. If his shooting continues to be as good as it was, I mean, it was surprisingly good, his outside shooting uh, last season. So if, if all of that continues into training camp, I don't see any reason why I would be much more comfortable starting him than any of the other young players, to be perfectly honest, even more than Miles Bridges. Yeah, I would too. Uh, Dwayne ba- Well, that, that was the thing, right? Dwayne Bacon passed Malik Monk last year. Malik Monk was somebody that was getting reps and regular run at the beginning of the season, or he gave us a moment in that second game against the Miami Heat where he actually hit a shot, and then all of a sudden it just started to gradually go down and even getting out of the rotation a couple of times. And Dwayne Bacon, while he was going up and back and forth from Greensboro to Charlotte, Dwayne Bacon actually found his role with the Charlotte Hornets the last month, and we can remember some of the big moments that he had. Dwayne Bacon is probably going to start for this team. I would imagine it would be him, unless you do some kind of combo where you go Miles Bridges at the three, Marvin Williams at the four. And I could see that. If you wanted to have Marvin Williams teaching on the floor in real organized basketball activity, teaching them at the four position and having Miles Bridges play the three, I could see that, but I'd probably go Dwayne three miles four. Well, that really begs the question, Walker. What do you do with Michael Kidd Goldfish? <laughs> That's strong. Michael Michael Kidd Goldfish is strong. And Kendall Gills is just so basic. Michael Kidd Goldfish is something I probably would rather go to. You keep cooking those up. Tim Bontemps of ESPN came out with an article, a survey really, polling, what was it? I think 20 NBA execs, uh, people in the front office for the NBA um, just various different teams and and whatnot. Terry Rozier came in as the third worst move of the offseason behind Ricky Rubio and just straight up the Knicks offseason. Apparently, they just decided to include <laughs> the entire Knicks offseason as the worst thing that happened this offseason. Not even move because you can't clarify that. You can't that they can't be just one move like the New York Knicks. A whole offseason was ahead of Terry Rozier. Then it was Ricky Rubio, if I'm not mistaken. And then Terry Rozier came in, I think, at four votes. And uh, the other two came up out on top. It, it It's gotten killed. I listened to the Zach Lowe podcast. I'm sure a lot of people listen to the Zach Lowe podcast where he said he feels sorry for Charlotte Hornets fans. I mean, it's about how bad it is. You know, Lowe just destroys the Hornets every time he talks about them. And it, it's one where we we recognize how bad that contract is, but people around the league and pretty much they view that as maybe the worst move of the offseason when you ask a lot of different people. Yeah, and I mean, Terry Rozier didn't make a lot of friends while he was in Boston and he was around national media a lot. And I, I don't know if he's uh, just the kind of player that really demands 
uh, respect from the media. And so I think when you take that into account and you look at the money and you think, oh my God, you're paying a, a backup point guard, essentially a backup point guard on a good team. You're paying that player that much money then I think, yeah, it's easy for executives to look at that and, and think that. And the, the the bottom line is, Walker, and you and I have talked about this a lot, that this was, this was the Charlotte Hornets betting. This was betting on the future. And when you bet on the future, you're going to invite ridicule. When you, when you take players that have had past success and you bet on them to continue that success, continue that trajectory, like everybody loves the Kimba to Boston move, because everyone expects Kimba to maintain that level of play into the next few seasons for Boston. But what Charlotte is hoping is that Terry Rozier elevates his game and and becomes the player that he was in 14 games as a starter for Boston last season and not the player he was as a bench player when he was unsatisfied. He didn't like his role. He thought he deserved to be a starting point guard for that team. And they're betting that if they make him the starting point guard, he will play at that level. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to take a quick break and come back with plenty more. We appreciate you joining us here on a Thursday. This is Locked On Hornets. But I have seen him go all That's the way up fault. to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we I need to get trying, out of here? Okay, here's the thing. My, I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off, and I was trying to silence it, and then I accidentally hit ping the phone, and then the phone pinged. And, and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes... It seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move to Sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're back with the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I just mentioned Zach Lowe destroying the Charlotte Hornets in a podcast that he had post-free agency. But also, he's got an article out based at, along with Brian Windhorst. And the headline, Inside a Tense NBA Owners Meeting That Might Change Free Agency. And so you've seen that the NBA has kind of launched an investigation on tampering because we get all of these moves immediately reported as soon as the deadline hits. We've got the moratorium period, and then boom, you get a million different deals that are reported basically within just the first, second, and third hours into the moratorium period where it's obvious tampering has been had here. And so now you have Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst talking a little bit about what would go on in an owner's meeting. And of course, Michael Jordan, speaking as the head of the labor committee, he discussed the possible need to revisit free agency rules in the next collective bargaining agreement. So Michael Jordan, kind of a guy that has been at the forefront of not only this as the head of the labor committee, but Michael Jordan caught a lot of criticism, especially from Amin El Hassan, who said this on the jump, that he was one of the guys that talked about trying to keep some of these stars in a small market scenario. And yet you have that scenario to be able to hold on to Kimba Walker in Charlotte and then you lowball offer him, according to him and according to a lot of people, right? That's considered a lowball offer of about $160 million. Yet Michael Jordan was at the forefront of small markets being able to keep these guys. And so I just wonder what the dynamic of Michael Jordan is, especially after that, where you got the scenario you, you wanted. Kimba Walker 
it, Woj said on his pod, right, on the Woj pod, that Kimba would have stayed in Charlotte had the offer been bigger. And it just wasn't anywhere close to what he thought he was worth or what anybody else thought he would get. And so Michael had that option. Now here he is saying we need to revisit free agency rules. I just wonder how seriously Michael is taken among the rest of the owners and the rest of anybody else that he's talking to in these meetings. Yeah, it sounds like from this report that they want lessatorium. Cody Zeller. What? Cod Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller? Yeah, like Cod. Like Atlanta. I got Cod. <laughs> Malik Samunk. Samunk. I got to go with Kendall Gills and I got to go with Michael Kidd Goldfish. The but the best. Those are the two. Shelvin Mackerel. Oh, that one's good. There we go. We can we can move on off Shelvin Mackerel. But Michael Jordan once again trying to figure out the best way to go about the tampering process. And it's funny because Mitch Kupchak was the one guy that was obeying the rules, right? Everybody out here is breaking rules to better their team. And Mitch Kupchak's like, nope, not me. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it safe. We're going to go buy the book and we're going to get Terry Rozier on a $20 million annual contract. That's well, what we're going to do. Yeah. I just, I think some of these owners and these executives within the teams, they're, they're just tired of, you know, not, playing by the rules or or some people are not playing by the rules and some people are but they might not be and let's just I think everyone is just sick of like let's just end the charade like or charade or charade is it charade or charade no it's definitely charade let's Do, end the charade anybody say charade I don't know no, I, I mean was, apparently I do because I just no, said it. that that flowed naturally. I, I think Sherrod is. I'm I'm going back to the sort of the Latin, um, the, the Romantic language roots of that word Sherrod. Yes, yeah, this is a, it's a, this is a Sherrod. You don't you don't play charades, right? And you play charades. This Nobody is, plays charades. If you ask me to play charades, I'm judging you and saying no. This is a sham. I'm just saying this whole thing, this whole idea of a moratorium, is a sham. So Rachel Nichols talked about this on the jump as well, about how would you enforce anything, right? And this is the biggest question. How do you enforce tampering rules? Because you're not going to be able to stop Kawhi Leonard from texting or talking to Paul George or Kyrie Irving talking or texting Kevin Durant. Same thing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You're not going to stop Anthony Davis from going to LeBron James' house and having Taco Tuesday. It's just not going to happen. So there's no way to legislate that. How do you fix it? And I understand that. A lot of this specific meeting was to talk about how the owners can be held to no tampering because, again, a lot of these, move, a lot of these moves and, and reported deals happened immediately as the moratorium period started. And so let's focus on that as I'm kind of all jumping all over the place. If we focus on just enforcing this rule within the owner's sake, Rachel Nichols talked about, well, would they be okay with everybody submitting their phones and having Adam Silver and whoever the hell needs to check on it investigate and read text messages and stuff like that. Now, the thing I have to say about that is, I mean, how many people do we know with trap phones, right? Like, we're not going to act like these, they're, we're not going to, I mean, they have other forms of communication to get in communication with some of these other players, but it's just interesting that that would even be thrown out. There. And that brings me to season three of The Wire. Trap phones, which was all about which was all about disposable cell phones and their um, their use in avoiding uh, uh, the cops. 
but no, you know what? Um, I don't like the idea of Taco Tuesday. I'll say that. Uh, I don't like the idea that tacos, that we just, we, we eat tacos on Tuesday because it's Taco Tuesday. I don't like alliteration getting involved and in saying when I can and cannot eat or drink like thirsty Thursday. Uh, this is America. I can be thirsty on any day of the week. I can have a thirsty Wednesday. I can have a thirsty Saturday I, and I can eat tacos on a Friday. I don't, I just don't like this idea. Well, and then what happens when Nada has fire, but it's not on a Friday? Can he bring the fire on a Tuesday or Thursday? We don't even do shows on Fridays at this part of the season. Can Nada come on a Tuesday or a Thursday show and bring the fire, or is he going to have to keep it at bay? Tirade Thursday. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I'm fine with alliteration getting involved in entertainment. What I'm not, I'm just. I don't like people playing around with food. I think people play around with food too much. We play around with food a lot on this show. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. We don't do this podcast alone. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the number one local sports daily podcast network. Search Locked On in your podcast feed to see if your favorite NFL, MLB, or college team is represented. Or you can go to LockedOnSports.com. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering your team every day. We'll be back with one more segment after the break. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Main character for American Psycho was Patrick Bateman, which really confused me. I always thought that Jason Bateman was Patrick Bateman and that Patrick Bateman was Jason Bateman. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're back on we're back on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Doug has a question here that I'm trying to think of the answer to, and I don't know if I easily got as freaked out about a movie as a from a kid when I was a kid as as that wouldn't be deemed scary or anything like that. What so Doug has on our rundown? What movie freaked you out as a kid? Yeah, I saw this on Twitter, and uh, my friends and I were talking about it. Really interesting question uh, posed by this random person on Twitter that just got. 9,000 retweets for a very simple question, but like what, but it's an interesting question. Like what movie did you watch as a kid? Got 139 retweets, but go ahead. <laughs> you got 139. Really? Maybe. Oh, it was replies. Cause those, I'm sorry. Yeah. Those kind of tweets usually right. get a lot of replies. <laughs> okay. Mr. Technical like, like, Twitter guy. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, Oh, now you care about stats. Oh, all of a sudden now you care about statistics that when was, it's going to, to prove me wrong on something. Okay. I'm sorry. It was a shameful charade. Please continue. You don't want to say something else about the food thing. People playing with food. Uh, my friend was at a wedding and the DJ at the wedding, uh, basically, uh, played a song and you the tables had to guess what the song was and then if you guessed correctly you got to get up and go to the buffet first it's not a bad idea no that oh you unbelievable that absolutely out it's outrageous like everyone's sitting it like think about every wedding you've been to by the time the by the time it's time to eat everyone is starving like everyone is just waiting until the 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 all call to for everyone to go to the buffet or whatever if it if it is that kind of situation or they're waiting for the plates to come out. Like people are starving at weddings. There's alcohol involved, which makes you hungrier most of the time. And this guy, this DJ, is just going to play games with food, playing games with my stomach. I'm just not about it. But then you don't have to 
if you're late and maybe, or if you're at a different table and you have to sit further away from the food or you're, it, it doesn't have to go by the same order, right? Like if you're further away from the table, does that mean that you have to be the last ones to get your food or that, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, I'm fine with this. I actually like the entertaining idea of playing a game. And if you win, you earn it. Look, this is survival of the fittest. No, this isn't Hunger Games. Literally, this is not Hunger Games. And I didn't like those movies either because I don't like people playing games with my food. I just don't like it. I don't like it. I really don't know what movie freaked me out as a kid that wouldn't be deemed a scary movie. Maybe, I don't remember this, but my dad said that I hated Jurassic Park when we watched it the first time. But I would imagine a T-Rex eating a guy off the pot I would imagine that would that absolutely scare a kid. So a couple of movies uh, fall into this category for me. Number one, Roger Rabbit. When I saw Roger Rabbit in the scene where Christopher Lloyd, the villain's character, like slowly dips the cartoon shoe down into the goo that it is supposed to kill the cartoons. And he's like, no, no, no. Like that absolutely freaked me out. And we're talking about movies right now, not necessarily scary movies. Movies that that had moments that almost felt like a fever dream. And another movie that did that for me, Walker, was Never Ending Story 3. That movie, again, not necessarily, there's really not a lot of scary elements, but it just like, when I think back on that movie, it was, it was like a fever dream. Like there's just so many freaky things happening. So many things talking that shouldn't be talking giant rocks that were hungry. By the way, the giant rock in that movie, which I forget the name of, he, I think, I believe he ate rocks, which is just a weird idea. I mean, it is cannibalism in a sense, like a rock eating a rock. I mean, that'd be like us eating other babies essentially. I think the movie that got me the most now that I think back on it, not a fan of a couple of scenes in Alice in Wonderland. And I, I can't be alone in that regard, but falling down the well, you know, it seems like an endless fall. That would be scary as well as the Cheshire cat. Look, he's cool in some instances, but him that that's a creepy smile that just withers away into invisibility. I, a couple of those scenes really got me. There's, there's actually a lot of scenes now that I go back on it her just running away and and trying to hide from a whole bunch of different people. Alice in Wonderland movie that freaked me out officially. Well, I mean, in the book is, I mean, it's, it's kind of a children's story, but really is adult in a lot of ways. And I'll tell you another one, the Cheshire cat smile. Yes. And also Ka, the snake from jungle book when his eyes went like, see, I loved Ka. He was like, like that freaked me out as a kid. And famously, I was very scared of Alf as a kid, though I love it now. I love like going back and watch that TV show. Alf, I would literally, if I saw Alf, I would go running through the house in in the diaper, screaming my head off. Also, uh, another big fever dream movie for me is I was six years old and I was up way too late. I don't know why I was up late, but like Fox... When, but when I was six years old, like Fox was kind of a new network. It was, you know, there weren't, there wasn't a lot. And, and late at night they would play these like WJZY, I believe was, was the call sign then. And they would play these movies. And uh, one of the movies they played was Kickboxer 3. And Kickboxer 3 starred Cody from the, the goofy character from Step by Step, real name, Sasha Mitchell. And in that movie, in Kickbox, so I knew Step by Step. I watched Step by Step, one of my favorite shows as a kid, TGIF, ABC's on, on Fridays. Great, great lineup of television shows, by the way. But so 
Cody is the main character in this movie, and he's a kickboxer, but he falls in love with the daughter of a mafia boss, I believe. And so the mafia boss like kidnaps him at one point and and like takes a meat cleaver to his hand and Cody just like screams in pain, which okay, he's a kickboxer, so you'd think like if the mafia boss were smart, he'd take a meat cleaver to his foot. But instead, I guess just as like a warning, like, hey buddy, I know you make your living on your feet, but I'm gonna start with your hand and if you uh, lay another hand on my daughter. I'm coming after your money makers. Yeah, that was scary. That seems like it would be a movie that would scare me, even though I haven't ever seen it. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe <laughs> to the show on Apple Podcast, uh, Google Podcast, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. Uh, Doug, are we going to try to do this classic, uh, this watching the classic game and put it on, put it on Patreon tomorrow. Is that something we're going to attempt to do? Yeah, I'm, we're going to do our very best. If we we're, we're having a little issue with technology lately, but we're going to give it everything we got. Oh my God, there's a fish named the bluegill. So Michael kid bluegill Christ. It's the lockdown Hornets podcast. Try to catch us on Patreon. Subscribe to us, patreon.com slash LOH. Again, patreon.com slash LOH. We'll be back with you tomorrow if you want to watch uh, a classic game with us or if you want to catch us the next show. That will be on Tuesday. We're doing Tuesdays and Thursdays until we actually get some regular season content, at least trying to get into training camp, and then we'll get back to every day and get back to that uh, daily podcast. But thanks again for joining us at the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network.